and me, Anthony. And we are in a refinished garage exploring podcasting, like a lot of bored white people. Yeah. Coming out of this pandemic, or still kind of in this pandemic, honestly. It's a new experiment we're trying where everyone cares what we have to say. Yeah. You know, I think like a lot of bored white people, we feel like we have an idea and we want to share that idea with the world. What's the point of having an idea that's just for me? Yeah. Why not take up particles in the air with it? And who knows where they land? That's not the important part, where they land. It's just that we put the particles into the air. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, if you can't turn your passion into a project, are you really even living in a capitalist society? I argue, no. Amen. So what is this that we're doing? This is what we've come up with. There's a lot of stuff that's been created. (laughs) Yes. A lot of books, a lot of movies, a lot of music. Yes. And we consume a lot of it. And then also there's a lot of it that we don't consume that sometimes we pretend that Mm -hmm. we have consumed. Yes. Like, I think we are both people who like to engage with pop culture and media, Mm -hmm. for sure. But we're also both people with vanity. Mm -hmm. We we don't like to be put on our heels. Yes. And so if sometimes things come up that are super famous that everyone knows that you probably should know, if I don't know it, I will pretend that I do. And this is the show for everyone who does that or everyone who feels like they have done that with pretty yeah, much or or wishes that they did that or or doesn't want to have to ever again yeah what we were saying to each other when we were working out what this podcast was mm-hmm. was this is the show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to yeah 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 so we're gonna go we're gonna go back through all the things we've ever lied about mm-hmm. every single one of them every single <laughs> it's gonna one. take a life it's gonna be a lifetime of work yes <laughs> but because learning takes it. a lifetime yeah and we're going to decide whether, uh, would uh, first we're going to judge them. Yes. And then we're just going to give you some helpful hints on how to either lie about it more effectively that you know it, or decide for yourself that maybe it's something that you actually do want to engage with. Like actually a lot of these, I don't think we would be as excited about this if we hadn't picked a bunch of stuff that we actually, we do really want to know. I think we are going to enjoy a lot of these things. It's just there's there's sometimes like things take on this like weight. They feel so because they're so huge. Yes. And every and everyone knows them and it's so obvious and we should have known them by now and it starts to feel for people with ADHD brains mm-hmm. like both of us. Yes. <laughs> takes on that shoulda that shoulda vibe, that mm-hmm. shoulda homeworky yes. vibe. This podcast is going to help us overcome that. Yeah. So that we can actually watch the thing or listen to it or read it or whatever. And maybe we'll find some stuff that we wish we'd known sooner that that we really fall in love with. And maybe we'll find, uh, certainly I think we'll find some stuff that we can let you know, do not worry about this. If somebody makes you feel silly for not knowing this thing, you make them feel silly for spending the time on it in the first place because you don't need to. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are going to be through this project coming up with our own idea of what is canon because the idea of canon is subjective. And I think that it's important to say the kind of lens that we're looking at this with. We are two queer millennials with ADHD. Mm -hmm. So that informs a lot of our choices that we've made for the things that we are interested in. Yeah, we're actually starting with two super gay things that I'm really excited about. We are. It's not going to always be 
this gay? Yes, but we're starting, we're starting gay. Starting gay. Yeah, and I think just to kind of try to get in front of this criticism of us that I am already giving us, we're going to be developing what we approve as canon, but we are going to be, we are starting already with this assumption of what is canon, Mm -hmm. and that is inherently already problematic, right? Like just to even say that there are things that are important is already, like we're already in just a a deep forest of trouble. Yes. So what I would ask of you, the listeners, and what we've asked of ourselves is just like kind of take a soft focus and like let's just all accept the premise together that there are things that are important. and, And we all know, we all know that who gets to decide them and how do things come to linger in the culture. We all know that these processes are unfair. And we are, in in choosing stuff, we're trying to account for that to some extent. We're trying to choose things that are important to different people. Yes. And be mindful of those things. But we just we just wanna we just wanna let you know that we're aware that like just the the very concept of importance <laughs> mm-hmm. is already like is already no good, but also we need it. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think our our choices in our preliminary list, I think, reflect some of those attempts. Yeah. We should say our filing system for this podcast project. Yeah, yeah. Is... <laughs> when, when we say the things we've considered, we mean the scribblings of mad persons yes. on the back of perhaps a jury summons? Uh, it, close enough. It is a, it Something is a, from the IRS? It is something from the IRS that did not need to be sent to me. Uh-huh. So I just, like a madman in a Lovecraft novel, just have been scribbling the names of books, movies, and bands on the back of it. And I believe you categorized it once as if you saw this and you didn't know what it was, you would be gravely concerned you would for whoever worried. wrote it yes, down. You would, if, yes, if you just saw the envelope with no context, you would be very worried about the person that had created it. Or I would. It's it's hypergraphic, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Um, but that's how, that's how we're working, and that that's what important things are to us. Have we, have we disclaimed the shit out of this yet to where we I, can talk I about think the so. things we're going to... Okay, yeah. today we're going to be focusing on Donna Summer mm-hmm. and the film Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yes. And then next episode, we're going to be doing the Riot Girl Band Slater Kinney mm-hmm. and the movie Chinatown. Yeah. Okay. So uh, still a little gay, mm-hmm. but less gay. Yes. And yeah. then violently straight. So how it's going to work, every episode will consist of a, a before picture of what we think these things are that we've been faking, like what we've been faking our way through these conversations based on. Mm-hmm. And then you will zap forward in time as if nothing has happened and we will have all the knowledge that we've ever sought about these things because we will have just spent a week engaging with yeah. them. For us, it'll be our li- we'll be living our lives Mm-hmm. But like our lives will be revolving around Donna Summer and whatever happened to Baby Jane, and then we'll come back and we'll tell you everything. But that's you don't have to do any work. That's all gonna just be, be laid out for you in this episode. Yes. But before we get into that, I just do want to give you just a taste of what's on this envelope because it's it's pretty exciting. Okay, just just glancing at this thing, we've got ooh, we've got some embarrassing ones for me. We've got Casablanca, we've got The Godfather Part, part Two. two. <laughs> 
<laughs> We've both seen part one. Yeah, so that's some classic films here. Uh, do you wanna you wanted to pull a couple things of interest yes. off of um, there? I think one that we both wrote down, we were talking to each other and realized that we had both been lying our entire adult lives about this is spinal tap. Oh yes. Oh my god, that's such a big one. Yes. Because I literally reference it. Get, we both do. I like get in good with people. I like make friends based on I like like impress people based on jokes about things going to 11 like yeah. I like I like I show people that I'm cool that way and then they're like Sydney is one of the cool ones yeah that's I fully definitely that, been doing that since I was 14 yeah 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 absolutely. yeah for sure and I have seen that scene I will say <laughs> yeah um but not the whole film also oh boys in the hood Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Pick yeah. a band. Pick a band. Oh We're all yeah. Movies. My Chemical Romance. Okay. Yes. 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 I totally pretend that I know what that is, and I do not. I feel like I know aesthetically what it is, mm-hmm. but not actually what it is. Okay. Oh, similarly, Arcade Fire. Mm-hmm. I in college. Oh my God. I was surrounded by Arcade Fire fans, and I really Same. like. I really faked my way through that. And then, okay, I just want to bring up how Stella got her groove back because I stumbled that we'd already like filled the envelope with stuff. And a lot of it is sort of like very classical, (laughs) serious, not all of it, obviously, but I just like stumbled out of bed one morning and was like, it came to me in a dream that I have to know what Stella got her groove back is. That is like, that is canon if anything is. It is talked about constantly, and I do not know what it is. We have, like, we have, like, Butch Cassidy. We have the good, the bad, and the ugly, like, stuff like that. And so... And uh, also the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, so how Stella got her groove back was a... That was an important addition to me in contrast to those things. Also, we're seriously considering... Don't know if it'll happen, but Twilight. Oh, yeah, we had talked about doing Twilight and My Chemical Romance as the same... And the same episode. Oh, yeah, that'd be a fun app. I think that would be fun. For themes, yeah. Anything um, else jumping off that envelope to you? I mean, we don't want to give it all away. No. Um, and then but I, I think, think it's going to keep growing anyway. So. Yeah, and I think we should just... I just want to name three books just to say oh, yeah, what's sure. what's on here. Yeah, we haven't been um, books. Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret yes. is on here. Oh my God, I've been lying about so that. So is life. Dracula, and so is Catcher in the Rye. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's, Truly. Yes, a lot of lies have been told about yes. that. Okay. There's a lot on here. Yeah. Yeah, so I think without further ado, do you think we should start talking about one of those things? Do you think we should start talking about Donna Summer? Yeah, 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 let's, okay, so this is what what we think our experience is going to be, and then in about 15 minutes you'll know what it really was. Okay, so Donna Summer is disco. Yes, Donna Summer is disco. She's a disco artist. The truth is, I cannot picture her. I can picture, and I have face blindness, so it's not that surprising, but I feel like I can picture a silhouette that is a few different disco queens Mm -hmm. and what face plugs in there that is Donna Summer, I do not know. And that's on me. Okay, things nearby that I know. I know Diana Ross, but like I know Diana Ross like and the Supremes like from before. Right. And then I know that she proceeds into disco and I know kind of what that sounds like, but like not really as much. And also that is not Donna Summer. And I don't know what what the difference is there. Mm Mm-hmm. And we both know for sure that she did not do I Will Survive. Yes. Because that is another person who is not Donna Summer. Gloria Gaynor. Yes. Okay. One of the main things I know about Donna Summer is that 
I know that she didn't do I Will Survive. And that's not fair because I know that she is a very important disco recording artist. And I yeah. should know not only what she didn't do, but what she did do. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. I do know. Okay. So I re- if you're looking for supplemental reading, there's an excellent book called Glitter Up the Dark, which is if you're looking for queer theory and music history in one book, it is this. It's a little dense. I read it very slowly, but that book discusses Donna Summer, in particular one of her tracks that I think we're going to try to do a pretty deep dive on. Love to love you, baby. Love to love you, baby. No pronoun. I believe the book reads into the fact that there is no pronoun because Mm. it's like identity, you know? Yeah. It's nebulous. So I know what that book said about it, (laughs) but I don't know what... I think of it or what it actually sounds like. I believe it's like 20 minutes long, just the one song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the whole A side of one album. Yeah, so That's I have I some know. idea of like what its role is in forging disco spaces and how important that was for the queers and the queers of color at a certain time. But I don't know what it sounds like. Yeah, what do you think you're going to come away from it feeling? Like, am I going to like it? Yeah. No. I feel like I am not gonna be super into it, but I feel like I am gonna respect it. Here's what I've learned about my little brain. If I am just willing to not like something for several listens, I will start liking it. So I actually do think because this project will force me to listen to it several times, even though I might not otherwise, I actually think I probably will be pretty fond of it by the end, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna, I don't know. I guess I like disco. It's just hard for me to imagine like a 20 minutes, like I don't think it's gonna be very hooky. I don't think it's gonna be very hummable. I think it's gonna groove. Yeah. Which is awesome, but I don't know if it's something that I will want to return to after this research phase, but I don't know. I don't know. You really can't know. Yeah, I think that's kind of how I'm going to feel. I feel like it's going to be a great way for us to tee up a conversation about how something ages, how something can be important and or good, who something is important for, like all of these things I feel like are going to come up. Yeah, I do want to confess on a recent episode, well, not recent, but we watched it recently, an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul asked the queens what their favorite disco songs were (laughs) and they couldn't answer. And I tried to answer from my living room because when I watch that show, I imagine myself into it. And my answer, my favorite disco songs are Madonna's Hung Up and Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. And I am prepared to defend the fact that those are disco songs. But I also understand that that isn't what people mean when they say disco songs. Right. That wasn't the assignment. Yeah, that is not the assignment. So I am excited. Even even if I don't personally really like graft onto Donna Summer, I'm very excited to just know more disco because I know that it's like the, the roots of a lot of music that I already know that I love. I think it's fair to say, and you will hear me say this a lot, dear listeners, that of the two of us, Sydney, you are much more widely read in music. I think you make a lot more of an effort to be musically literate than I am. Because as I have mentioned before off mic, I grew up in a Jimmy Buffett house. Yeah, that is, that's limiting. I That's, thank you. But it does feel like a little pressure because I feel like as far as like music nerds go, I'm not, I'm not that deep of a nerd. But I, yeah, I, I try. Yeah. I try to, I try to kind of know what's going on. 
Yeah, you I try take time to, if, out of your day to do it. Yeah, and if I and if there's something that I like, I do try to sort of see like what what might be going on around it. I try to I try to put the web together in my mind, which is part of why it's so embarrassing that I don't know Donna Summer because I think she's going to be like a really important like piece of the web. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to find out that she is the artist who did some stuff that we recognize. Oh yeah, oh I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. That we're so, just going to be like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that was a Donna Summer song. I've heard that a bunch of times. Yeah, so we're going to probably try to go, like, pretty, or how I like to approach a musical artist is I'll try to go, like, deep on one album, give it, like, a lot of listens so that I feel like I understand it and, like, can anticipate it. And then also just give, like, a one listen to as much else as I possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, and Donna Summer has a, from the little bit of scrolling I've done on Spotify, has a pretty extensive yeah, I, discography. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot, so I don't know if we'll make it through all of it, but we're yeah, going to try. Yeah, I think that would be a tall order. Yeah, but we're going to try to know some of it. We're going to try to listen to as much of it as we can, and then we're going to try to know some of it better than just like, oh, we listened to it once. We're going to listen to it like four or five times. We're going to try to delve. Yeah. I'm going to shoot for like, I'm going to shoot for more than that. But okay. that's just, that's just. Yeah. I know me, and me. I'm probably going to settle in I want to get it in my bones a little bit. Yeah. Okay, good. What's the other thing? I already forgot what else. It's something gay. Oh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Okay. Yes. What do you think Whatever Happened to Baby Jane is? Okay, so Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, I think, is going to be a lot of scenery chewing by two icons, uh-huh. one of whom I know I love. Okay, good. So I'm coming to this... Knowing that I am a Betty Davis fan, okay. because I that's more than I know. I love the movie All About Eve. It is okay. one of my favorites. Highly recommended to anyone out there. If you want to watch just like two hours of Anne Bancroft and Betty Davis just acting the shit out of yeah. theater people, mm. and George Sanders is also there, and he's got a voice like dark butter. It's just like oh, it's such a good <laughs> fucking butter. movie. Okay, yeah, I think this, we're trying to start with things on this envelope that neither of us know, but I do think there there may, if this stays fun for us to do, there may come a time where we get into stuff that one or the other of us knows, and that I think could be a great candidate, because I, I do not know all about Eve. Yeah. I definitely don't know movies, really, which is absurd, because I kind of have a film degree. <laughs> you do have an MFA in screenwriting, but it is for film, it is for television. Yeah, I did, I did sort of go to film school. That's where a lot of, that, you did go to film that's school. That's where a lot, well, I, I, well, I did go, I did go to sort of film school. Understood. Okay, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that's definitely where a lot of, like, even though I was in the TV division, there, there's definitely, st- that's where a lot of my, like, shame comes from. There's a lot of, like, how have you never seen Chinatown? There's a lot of that that bounces around those environs. So a lot of that's some of the shame that I'm bringing to this is, is definitely coming from there. But oddly, not this film. Nobody in film school ever asked me have I ever seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Only, only gays. Only gay culture has asked I, me that. I feel like RuPaul asks me almost every season if I've seen Whatever Happened to Baby yes, Jane. And, and my I, answer is always a shameful no. We have to keep saying no. And and now, now we will be able to say yes. So I will say that pretty much everything that I am expecting from this film, I'm expecting based on a sketch that has happened on RuPaul's Drag Race. 
And what's really absurdist about this is that those sketches have garbled together with like uh, other stuff that I just like, if it's yeah. referencing something else that I don't know, for all I know, that could also be in what in whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. Like, I don't think it is, but like the wire hangers. Oh yeah, that's Mommy that's Dearest. That's Mommy Dearest. But like, I don't know, something like that. Like yeah. there could very well, there's like lots of imagery that's just like a super, a hodgepodge, a glued together monster of film. Yes. In my mind, some of which is probably whatever happened to Baby Jane. So I think there's obviously some kind of rivalry dynamic that mm-hmm. I think has roots in these two women's younger years. Mm-hmm. At some point, Baby Jane was like, prettier or more desired or something like to yeah. ha- had 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 whatever Joan Crawford wanted yeah something qua- like a quality of life not a literal yeah um a je ne sais quoi yes and now baby jane or uh-huh. is baby jane a missing person I whatever happened to her i don't know but but betty davis yeah now is the one that needs taken care of, I right? I think it's the other way around. Oh no! Okay, so but this that's is what I'm I don't just know. basing that on RuPaul's sketches and like yeah. pictures of okay. them. Listen, I don't know. One of them, one of them used to have privilege and now needs to be taken care of, and the other one needs to do some taking care of and has a lot of resentment. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be a lot of very arched eyebrows, mm-hmm. a hard hard arch. Yes in an eyebrow and yeah just like scenery chewing and well so yeah let me turn this on you do you think you're gonna enjoy it i think so but i say that with the caveat that i really thought i was going to love death becomes her when we watched it yeah which we watched we also watched like just for our own personal like yeah queer literacy and i was so excited because meryl streep goldie hawn how could it go wrong exactly and it didn't go wrong i just didn't love it yeah it just wasn't the style of camp that it was just wasn't as like riveting yeah it was like oh this is fun but like eh. i think i'm gonna be very glad to have seen it obviously for like not just for this but for to know things yeah yeah, same. To know gay stuff. And I think I I think I am going to like enough of it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to spend it like, you know how sometimes old movies, you're just like, oh my God. Yes. I don't think it's going to be like that. Yeah. I don't I, think it's going to be, I don't think I'm going to be like checking my phone every minute. I don't think, I think, I think I'm going to enjoy watching it, but I don't think, I don't think that I'm going to be like pulled into the story in a way that I would be, in a way that good filmmaking of the present times can do i don't think i'm gonna like identify really with either of the characters i don't think i'm gonna feel a lot of genuine emotion Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna be entertained yeah and and i think that that's probably i think that's probably gonna be okay like i think that the film's not gonna ask more of us than that yeah 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 it's just um that's a, a difference i think in honestly the goals of like different films especially of like then and now Mm -hmm. i don't think that's what it's shooting for but it is uh to me a a faster way to pass two hours is if i can feel like i'm really in the story and i'm not anticipating feeling that way but i think that's gonna be fine i I think think it's it's, gonna be be totally fine i think it's gonna be fine 
I think it's going to be fine, and I'm going to tell you guys that you should probably watch it, but you don't really have to. Yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I think we're going to have fun. Can I share with you, while we were talking, I had this idea in my head, and I don't know if you agree or not, but what I am anticipating is that it is going to show us the relationship between Kim and Kyle Richards if Kyle was evil. Oh, interesting. If Kyle was evil and... Kim was also, like, had some sort of, Kim like, is, physical ailment. Yeah, so, honestly, probably their their future. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's really helpful to me. That, that's just a guess. That's a great image. I feel flabbergasted by that. <laughs> um, like I, was, I, I was proud. I was like, you're either going to really be happy that I came up with this or you're going to tell me that I'm completely off base I'm prepared for both possibilities I I mean I haven't seen the movie yet but like now I'm I it's it honestly it's made me looking it's I'm looking forward now more to the movie to decide if I think that you're right but I I will be sitting with that heavily on my mind I want to believe that Kyle okay I don't think that Kyle is evil I, I do think there's a case to be made that she is like kind of a shitty person. I'm not making that case. I think she's not a shitty person. But I think even if you do think that, she is a good sister. Mm-hmm. I don't think she is ever going to get to a place where she is deliberately evil to her sisters. Yeah, and I think that this movie has a lot of like... And I, again, I think this is the character relationship. I think this movie has a lot of like Betty Davis physically tormenting... Yes. Joan Crawford in a way that like that doesn't yeah. seem like something an actual person in real life would do yeah, absent I, extreme circumstances. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that happening for Kyle, but I think it's a really I think it's a really rich image. Mm-hmm. Or is it Kathy? Oh, who is hunky dory? Who is hunky dory? I think we'll know better when the yeah yeah yeah. But it's I think it's safe to assume a fair amount of housewives literacy from our listeners. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so that's yeah. That's the, that's, that's, that's what we Jane. think. And then in in a minute, we're just gonna zap into the future and tell you what the the reality outside of our well, it'll still be inside our minds, but better informed and i just but quickly before we zap i just want to say that i am very excited to be doing this because it's not only a fun project for us while we're recording it's gonna give like purpose and directionality to our like leisure activities yes in a way that i think is going to be really exciting like i i'm at a time in my life where i have a lot of downtime and it's it's hard to search for meaning in and 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 I'm really trying to because I think it's like a lot of people it's a lot of people's dream to have more leisure yeah you know and I have that and I'm so I'm trying to take that really seriously as like a like a serious like like a like a mantle that like yeah. I am living someone's dream by having a lot of leisure time but it also makes me feel purposeless and like adrift a lot of the time and I think as someone who was raised with a capitalist brain as I work to dismantle that to just kind of create these artificial structures where it's like, no, you have a reason actually to listen to Spotify for three hours today that you're not just doing that. You're not just doing that. You're supposed to do it for your podcast. That's a really thrilling proposal for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. And like, I have been spending a lot of my evenings just like trying to figure out what to do and like sort of working on things in my free time. But as we said, 
for two people with ADHD, someone being like, hey, you have a week to listen to as much Donna Summer as you possibly can. Yeah, like I dare, I dare you. Yeah, that like, is. I bet you, I bet you can't. There is no better way to make sure that we will yeah. listen to a shitload of Donna Summer in the yeah, next yeah, five yeah. days. So you, the listeners, whether you exist or not, <laughs> are making that possible for us. So thank you for this service. It was yes, really. It means a lot to us. Yes, um, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and now we will now we will zap. We will zap to the future and let you know what we think. Hello, welcome back to the future. Hello. All right. No time we... has passed for you. Yeah. Um, but for us, we went away and we listened to a bunch of Donna Summer records, and mm-hmm. uh, we watched Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Do you want to do Donna Summer first? Yeah, I okay. do. All right. On the count of, do you want to count us out? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're going to say on the count of three what we thought of it. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Surprisingly Re- entertaining. Did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, do you think it was fair to say, I think for me, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I guess I was. I guess I was a little surprised. I did not find this music to be outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I found it very much to be like I I could hear clearly that it is the roots of the things that I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that there were certain things that I liked better than others. I think we said we were going to do a deep dive on Love to Love You, Baby, but I, I wound up listening to we Bad Girls could, we more couldn't, times. We couldn't do it. Oh, man, y'all, the B-side of Love to to love you baby is rough yeah don't go ahead and skip that but the track love to love you baby is great is multiple tracks in itself it's yeah. sort of variations on a theme and that theme be fucking <laughs> yeah yeah it's very it's very explicit it's yeah. a, a, like a lot it's definitely dirtier than i thought donna yeah. summer as an artist is definitely dirtier yes than i was anticipating i think my first or second listen through love to love you baby i was like does donna summer have big dick energy because i feel like <laughs> she, she does she kind of does i was consumed through one of my listens with like questions about the origins of sex noise like what we've all agreed is a sexy noise mm-hmm. like just like how much of that is innate and how how much is learned and we'll never now it's the internet age and porn and shit we'll we'll never be able to address these questions and i kind of like went down a spiral about that but it's like obviously like there are certain breath patterns mm-hmm. that are probably gonna come up when you're fucking mm-hmm but like specifically the like squeezed like vocal fry mm-hmm. attack yeah. of the sound. I was like, where? Do, who decided? When did we decide that that's what we're going to do Yeah, when we're enjoying ourselves sexually? Yeah. And we bring this up because on Love to Love You, Baby, she does, <laughs> she does it a lot. A lot. Of it. A lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like in kind of a fun way. It's like, that's like part of what's fun about the track to me is that it's like there are little vocal moments that are just like kind of mixed into it. Like it's really just like a whole, it's a whole mood. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, I wanted to say that, but not in the way that that is a construct a common construction now it's like it's it it is just like a the way now when you watch people like build beats or whatever on like ableton and they're like turn they have their like little thingies with their Mm -hmm. little like buttons and they like Mm -hmm. turn things on and off i feel like it is i mean it is an early version of that like it Mm -hmm. is like where a lot of that music yeah starts comes from and it's like 
her sex noises are like one of the instruments mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. this track uses to like move move itself along in kind of a without moving along mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lazy river fashion. Yes. And I think that because you you have mentioned that she's a really good singer, she's able to just take those sex noises and turn them into like a lovely sustained note of the word I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is fun. Yeah, I found not so much on that album, but on She Works Hard for the Money. The whole album, I felt that Donna Summer has what I like to call easy voice. The quintessential example of who has this is Whitney Houston. I like to describe it as like, it's almost like they are in a state of just like singing beautifully that they are, when they're not doing that, they're like stopping it. Their natural state is that these amazing sounds are coming out of them. And anytime that's not happening, it's because they're like actively clamping it down yeah it's not really a it's not really a value judgment it's just like interesting to note to me when i feel like someone has that it's just like i don't feel like she's ever gotten notes yeah <laughs> like i don't think a producer's ever been like can you do that different mm-hmm. can you do that again yeah you're flat no that's never happened no she's never heard that i was surprised by how good of a singer she was and i was also surprised how many songs i knew that i was like oh that's donna yes, summer that happened a lot. she works hard for the money uh-huh. is a good example bad girls mm-hmm. hot stuff mm-hmm. when i was a child i went to a, oh, a last dance, dance. Was the other oh yeah last dance i went to a, a a dance studio and there was always an inappropriate juniors number to hot stuff like yeah. that's my association with that song is like some kids who are like 10 in some negligee doing really popping a hip you know that's what the dance world is yeah and you can't fix it overnight as per i feel like what i like about donna summer's content of her songs they're not lyrically dense even though she does do some like disco concept albums most of the time it's still like a pretty easy concept i like that her default at least in a lot of her early version is like I am just looking to bang however I can. Yeah. (laughs) Like hot stuff is literally about like, she says like a bunch of different times, like I am just calling everyone (laughs) waiting for someone to call me back so we can smash. So we can smash. Yeah. I just want to get down. Yeah. The, the one. want it. Yeah. The one song on the B side of Love to Love You Baby that I think is worth anything at all is Need a Man Blues. Yeah. Which is just like, Literally, I just need a man, not a relationship. Donna Summer is not here for a relationship. No, 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 no. Donna Summer is here to smash. Yeah, in in kind of a refreshing tonal shift from like a lot of female artists. It's not a lot of like pining. It's not a lot of like, why doesn't this person like care about me the way I care about them? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's sometimes there's yeah, a few something. like sprinkled in there. She does um, love her slow jams. Yeah, but a lot of it is just like, give me that D. Yeah, give me that D. It feels very much like Donna Summer in the 70s is how we wound up with Rihanna in the late aughts of like Rude Boy. There's several steps in between, but Donna Summer is how we get Rude Boy. Yes, yes. I hadn't quite connected those dots because I was trying to think more of like modern disco things. But yeah, I think as far as like the message of just like female horniness, like absolutely. Yeah. And Rude Boy is one of my favorite pop songs ever created easily. I've thought I've thought about this. Mm-hmm. I've thought about whether and how to discuss this and I'm pretty sure that it's going to be an absolute shit show, but I've decided that I do want to do it. So, okay. Here's here's another thing that Donna Summer like a helpful reminder for me that Donna Summer was. So, we all know that white people steal stuff from black people. 
mm-hmm. musically. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in a lot of ways, but like, yes. let's focus on musically for now. Sure. And that is true. And if that's as far as you get, then that's as far as you get. And that's fine. I would like to examine it, that narrative a little further, because I think thinking of it so reductively for so long has created some other little problematic grooves in my brain that I would like to unpack for you now. <laughs> I want like, I want like podcast plus like whiteboard. I used to be an SAT tutor. I want like a piece of graph paper. Like sometimes I want to do charts and graphs or in this case, just like a little demonstrative doodle. Yeah. And it's too bad because we do have a whiteboard. Yeah. So I could, I could do it for Anthony, but it would do you no good. So, okay. So if we take what I picture reductively, we take black innovation and then we send it into a little box and then out comes like white product. Right, like Macklemore. Then out comes gotcha. Macklemore. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the white version, the whiteified version of this music. Like black people come up with a great idea for how we should do music. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into this box, and then white people make a lot of money off of that this version. idea with yes. white artists. Yes. And I think we all have that picture a little bit in our minds, right? So here's where I think maybe I've gone awry and maybe some of you have too. I don't know. If if I have that picture unconsciously, without me assigning my mind to do this, I am going to start looking for what that box does. I'm going to start being like, what happens inside that box where we go from black stuff that was stolen from to white music? And, and where it goes off the rails is that I like the white stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, I like the white artists that did the stealing. I yeah. like th- I like what comes out of it. Right. You don't like the act of the stealing, but you like the product. Right. Like, I like white pop. Like, I like rock and roll music that is made by white people. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. I, I like Eminem. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. It's, he's very good at painting a picture. He is. So, okay. So that means now to my little brain, logically, that... What happens inside that box is good, right? Mm. Some of what happens in there, the fact that we shoved the stuff into the box, no, we don't like that. But whatever we did to it, I do like. You respond to it. Yes. I assume that it has to do with making it more accessible for like tender white ears, making it sort of like more processed, making it more quote unquote trashy. And those are things that I know that I like in music. I like my music to have... An illusion, I know that it's an illusion, but an illusion of like easefulness mm-hmm. and like fun and breezy. Like not all the time, it doesn't have to be that way, but I like music that is like very fun and breezy. Yeah. And I have come to associate, and so like this is where I'm trying to go with this. I have come to associate that with like the whiteification process. Mm. Like we dumbed it down. Like we, if the simple story is we took the good black stuff and then we dumbed it down for white people. And then I like what comes out of there. Mm-hmm. I make this like backwards assumption that the original black innovators are going to be like somehow like lofty or just like out of my reach somehow. They're going to be, it's going to be like, it's going to be like harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, oh, but I want it to be stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's important to remember that sometimes the material, the original black material 
is also like silly as fuck. Yeah. And silly is not a value judgment. It just is a descriptor. Well, it to me, it's a great thing. <laughs> I <laughs> love like silly music because most popular music is silly. And I like things to be aware of that on some level, even if it's like a little bit subsumed, if it's pretending that it's not aware of that. Yeah. I guess I just was expecting like a little more sort of like airs from Donna Summer. Yeah, Donna and Summer is very me, self-aware. Yeah, and she gave me like, I want to smash. And yeah. I was like, really happy to receive that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and like all of her concept albums are like, hey, I'm going to do a concept album where every song is what if a different decade of music was a disco song. Oh, I fucking loved that one. Yeah, I, I remember yesterday. That. I remember yesterday. Yes, that is my that is my top recommendation for you, the listener. Yeah, it's like seven songs. It's Donna Summer. Yeah, seven or eight songs, half an hour. Yeah, and most of them are executed really well, and it ends with "I Feel Love," which people still like think of as one of the most influential pieces of electronic music ever made. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I would say also if if you're interested in pursuing Donna Summer, just start at start at "Love to Love You, Baby," and just go forwards in time from there until you get bored. Mm-hmm. And just pull a couple tracks onto your playlist. Like, don't say to yourself, oh, this is an album that I'm going to listen to in the car like every few months for the rest of my life. That's probably not going to happen, at least yeah. for me. Just pull a couple tracks, put them on your like backyard playlist. And I yeah. guarantee you anyone, anyone that, that clocks that you have like a couple Donna Summer songs on your backyard playlist is going to appreciate you for it. Yeah. And I think Donna Summer is one of those artists who, like you said, they're not creating like really amazing albums although i would argue that bad girls is a pretty solid album yeah it's long it is yes i'll get to that in a second because i have things to say on that but I, <laughs> the 70s I, the 70s man where, where people liked things to be too long <laughs> yes but i i do think when she writes a, a bop she really writes a bop yeah. like her good songs are so good yeah But not every song is up to that standard, as with any artist. But it's tough when her good songs are, like, so fun and so danceable. And, like, even stuff I had heard a bunch of times, I would just be, like, walking around my house, not listening to it. I would just be, like, walking around doing nothing, like, getting breakfast together, just, like, humming dim all the lights to myself, just bopping. Yeah, just bopping. Because it just, like, it gets in your head and you just, like, get into a groove. Yeah. But my one complaint with Donna Summer albums Mm -hmm. is that, like you said, in the 70s, Everything was way too long. I was saying to you the other day, I think this is what happens when you have a decade where people do a lot of cocaine and a lot of quaaludes. You have a lot of ideas and half of them are for really slow shit. Yeah. (laughs) So there are a couple Donna Summer albums that are advertised as being over 70 minutes of music on the album cover, which is not a thing. Like that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, which is not a thing that I think either of us responded to positively. I think both of us were like, oh Oh, no. no. And I think it's true. Like, that's too many minutes of music. Yeah, that's too much. I think that is true because there are Donna Summer albums where I'm like, okay, you had six or seven great songs, a couple okay songs, and then you put four slow jams in a row. Yeah. In the middle of the album, it's like it just kills yeah. The I momentum. definitely like fell asleep to that album and had to go back and try again. Yeah. But I feel like, but that's what's so great about it. I remember yesterday. Yeah. I remember yesterday is seven right upbeat songs. One is a bit of a slow jam, but it's the second to last song. And then the last song is I Feel Love. So it's like, all right, you got through that. Here's yeah. your reward. Yeah. And like, it's okay. It's like sometimes it's fun to have a slow jam. Yeah. A slow jam is fine. Yeah. 
but like I never need to hear whispering waves again. Oh my god. Yeah. And also like it's it's like certainly on bad girls, it's like too many songs. And then also like a lot of these songs could have been shorter. But I feel like that is part of like the disco environment. Like we I think we have to remember that this music was intended to be consumed in public. Yes, like dancing with a lot of other queers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and not in headphones in our house. So like I am like, this didn't need to be five minutes. Like, I don't need five minutes of this song. But I could see how in a dance space, especially when, like, it's feeling really innovative. Yeah, I think I had the most success listening to Donna Summer when I wasn't just sitting. I had the most success when I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk for 30 minutes. So I'm just, like, moving around. And that really helped. And I was like moving and grooving a little bit that that was much more successful because i think you're right like donna summer albums shouldn't be listened to just like sitting and listening to them i mean yeah, some of her supposed like to be a social experience yeah some and that's of... why i'm saying put it on your backyard playlist yeah exactly it's and gonna like, be a little bat signal for other cool people yeah and she's she has a lot of really great songs so many that i would definitely recommend going through and listening there are going to be not famous Donna Selmer songs that you still like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like she wrote some very famous songs yeah, that are great. Yeah, no, but. I'm saying I'm saying pull a couple that are not like the main, main ones that everybody knows, even though those are, those are fun too and you should put them on your like evening backyard playlist. But like, yeah, just also consider like some of the ones that are not as well known because I think that's, that's what's going to be the little like signal to the right kind of people. Yeah, and also if you want to check people out like tastes. where a lot of modern pop music came from like I said to you at one point I came out of my room after listening to Once Upon a Time and I was like I think Donna Summer wrote the first dubstep track sure like 30 years before dubstep and I know I know that that's a bit of a weird thing to say but they're the third to last song I think third to last second to last on the song the album Once Upon a Time which by the way if you want to hear a disco concept album about Cinderella Uh (laughs) there it is yeah Got you covered. (laughs) One of the last tracks is like, it's not quite a slow jam, but it's like a down-tempo disco beat. And it's got that stereotypical, like, not just a funky bass, but on top of the funky bass line, there's also whatever machine they use that goes... And I'm like, this is 1977. I had never heard a song from the 70s do this before. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I can see where people got that sound and were like, oh, I like this. Okay, I'm going to take this and do something with it. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the intention with a lot of disco music is that it was supposed to be, even as it was produced and released onto vinyl, it was supposed to be an invitation to collaborate. It was like, here's what I did. Mm-hmm. You guys, live DJs, mix it up with some shit, make it even funner. Like, use use this to, to move the form forward as a whole. Yeah. And if you are the kind of person who's like, oh, I really like that sort of collaborative idea. I wish that there was some more modern sounding Donna Summer stuff. They just came out with an album of her remixes like earlier this year yeah so don't worry don't worry the the queers have not forgotten donna summer they certainly have not (laughs) which is why we did her in the first place yeah so donna summer canon yeah absolutely absolutely canon all right let's take a brief pause and when we come back we'll do whatever happened to baby jane yeah welcome back okay we are here now to discuss whatever happened to baby Jane, <laughs> or as I've been calling it in my head for the last couple of days, what happened to baby Jane? <laughs> Thanks, <Yeah>. Claudine. <laughs> that interpolation is definitely a mashup of a RuPaul sketch, what mm-hmm. had happened to baby JJ. Yes. And like a Borat voice, like a, just an internal like Borat voice. Yeah. Those two things collided 
mm-hmm. in your coding brain and made the sound bite. Do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Count us in on it. Okay. Yes. On the count of three, this is how, how we both felt about it. Okay. One, two, three. Didn't, huh? didn't really like it. Didn't care for it. <laughs> yeah. I, it was, I think you said yesterday, you were like, it was unsettling. It, yes. It so it's indeed. not an unsuccessful movie. So this movie is meant to be a thriller. Yeah. So I think that I said, I know for you, it was just a moment ago, but for us, it was a while ago. But I think that I said that I didn't feel like I was going to really be like drawn into the story emotionally, just because like movies made before a certain point in acting technology mm-hmm. <laughs> often don't do it for me in that way but it did draw me in I, I was not unaffected yeah. like despite myself I felt unsettled I felt like I, I didn't I didn't really like extend myself to be unsettled you know you there's a certain amount of buy-in when you go into like some kind of horror movie or something where you're like mm-hmm. I'm gonna invest in this reality and it's I'm gonna let it affect me mm-hmm. I did not do that and yet I still was deeply deeply unsettled yeah, because it's a really creepy movie. Yeah. But not in the way that like a lot of horror movies are creepy. Like it doesn't set out to create a creepy atmosphere. I think it's just entirely based on how clearly unhinged Betty Davis is. Yeah. And that everyone can see it except for her. Yeah. I think what unsettled me is that it it, it is pretty like campy, but it wasn't that far-fetched actually yeah yeah it was pretty grounded (laughs) yeah like no one had to dress up like their mothers no one had to like there was no like weird there was some weird shenanigans but like no i mean it is very weird but it's also like a lot like yeah that could happen yeah like at some point you said okay so the basic conceit is that joan crawford and betty davis are sisters they both used to be movie stars betty davis when she was a baby was like a vaudeville star yeah okay so i also want to say that i really wanted in the before chapter i really wanted to say that i thought the like setup was going to be a lot like the setup of in the musical gypsy but I was too scared to be wrong about that. So I like hedged and backed off and was like, I don't know. I think one of them's kind of the favorite, but I'm not really sure in what arena and don't doubt yourself. You really hit the nail on the head. I, when well, you said but, I, that. but I didn't. I didn't say it. I know, so but you I said just, it off mic. So I'm trying I, to give you some I credit. I just want to caution everybody out there to, to trust themselves. Yeah. About things you're lying about. <laughs> yeah. And also part of this podcast project is us being willing to be wrong. But I think that's yeah. also opening us up to the opportunity to just blindly being absolutely right. Yes. Yes. And that I lost track of that. And I apologize. And I will do better. Anyway, what happens uh, in the movie is. <laughs> so the vaudeville star, Baby Jane Hudson, and her mm-hmm. sister, Blanche. Yeah. Yes. Gr- it's because it's the same as Streetcar, which yes. is weird to me. Grow up to be adults and Blanche (laughs) becomes a huge movie star and Jane does not because she is a bad actress, but it's implied that it's more that she has an attitude problem and a drinking problem. Yes, a drinking problem and almost, I don't know, it's like not really fully explored, but like it seems like maybe she's also just like too hot. She's like too like cutesy, like like almost like I think of I think of it as like a Lindsay Lohan situation. It's like she was like very good at the kid version of this, the the like stage mm-hmm. like okay, well that's not Lindsay. Forget about Lindsay Lohan for a second, but like she, she's very good at like like the singing and dancing and like mugging for applause, and then it got to like do movies, and I think she I don't know. It's sort of implied that she's like too blonde and cute and like. Yeah 
asks for the attention yes in a way that's undesirable mm-hmm. in the the kind of modern pictures they're making in 1934 yeah. Mm-hmm. There is an accident, and then Joan Crawford Blanche has to use a wheelchair for the rest of her life, and we meet them in 1960, basically, like 30 years after they've made their last movie. They live together in an old house, and Blanche, even though she uses a wheelchair, is lives only upstairs. So she relies on... She's trapped up there. She's trapped up there, and Betty Davis is her full-time caretaker. Yeah. I was very tickled. Basically, the inciting incident for the the plot that we see is that TV movies are a thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they start rerunning the it's, shit movies yeah, on it's TV. Like, yeah, it's like it's like like Turner Classic Movies has just been invented. Like they've just mm-hmm. decided to start re-airing, like showing movies on TV. Like that brand new development reignites this shit between these two sisters of like who is more talented and who is more deserving. Yeah, because um, they start showing all of Blanche's movies. Yeah, and Baby Jane is like, what the hell? They didn't tape vaudeville. I yeah. can't, I'll, like, where's my comeback? Yeah, the movies that I liked weren't even released in the United States because they didn't think they were good. Yeah. And also, what's weird is the whole time Betty Davis is dressed like a toddler. Yes. Which I think adds to the unsettlingness of it. Like when she goes out, she like draws a little heart-shaped birthmark on her yeah, face. Yeah, like the, the makeup is weird. The It's just, it's, I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's unsettling. It's really, she's, Betty Davis is great. Yes. She's so good at being so unhinged in this movie. Yes, which yes. I love because the only other Betty Davis movie that I've really engaged with is All About Eve, and she is so poised in that. She drinks like a horse in that movie and gets drunk a lot, but she's so poised and together, whereas in this, she's just out of her mind. Yes, but I found her I found her acting to be very honest. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Which is part of what made it so hard yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she nails that line of chewing wallpaper without chewing wallpaper. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. she's so camp, but so grounded. Yes. It's absurd, but it's real for her. Yes. And she she has found that within herself. It's very, like, fearless. It is a fearless performance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think she really carries the movie because, honestly, (coughs) even though Joan Crawford, I think, does a good job, they don't give her that much to do by comparison. She just has to, like, be scared. Yeah, and she is... I found her character to be more more what I was expecting of, like, movies from the 60s, that, that it's, like, you have a type... You know, uh-huh. you have like you have like a thing that you're going for and that's your thing that you do. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, I think it's in the writing and I'm <laughs> I'm not blaming Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, that that side of it to me was more what I was expecting from a movie of that time. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm certainly glad to have watched it. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy myself and I did think it was too long and I wanted it to be over i think it was really it was quite slow until betty davis starts murdering people yeah that's when it really picked up and i think they could have gotten there faster yeah like i understand why they had to lay some groundwork but there were a couple times where i was like like there is a recurring theme of betty davis keeps hiding horrific things in Joan Crawford's food yeah. to mess with her head yeah which is a creepy thing to do yeah but she does it a couple of times yeah she only needed to do it once for us to understand that 
she does that. Yeah. I see a lot of reasons why this film is queer canon, not least of which is that a lot of the secondary characters just read super gay. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah, like the... As you're watching it, just like anytime it's not Joan Crawford or Betty Davis on screen... Or any, like anyone other than that that appears, just ask yourself, is that person gay? If I met that person right now, would I think they were gay? And the answer is probably yes. Almost mm-hmm. all of them, yes. Yeah. There's a... You They're know, not all characters where you're asked to think about that, but I'm asking you to think about it. Yeah, particularly, I think you clocked the next door neighbor. <laughs> yes, the next door neighbor, there's no dad. Mm-hmm. So this appears to be a single mom. And the teenage daughter is like such softball team vibes. So yeah, they're both gay. Yeah, and uh, and also the accompanist who lives with his mom. Yeah, super gay. The mom, his mom, I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Border, yeah. Borderline for me. Definitely in the past, like, storyline, their dad, definitely gay. Oh, yeah, you were like, that. that is that is a gay man yeah. on stage. And, like, maybe their mom. Unclear. She was only in one scene. Yeah. So you didn't really get to talk much. Yeah. I mean, they're all unclear. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. But, but yeah. there are a couple where it's, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a huge leap. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the accompanist, I was just thinking of what you described as the most upsetting part of the entire movie, <laughs> where the the accompanist is having a rather tense conversation with his mom, where his mom is doing the thing in the thriller movie in the third act, where you like lay out all of the information that you had long suspected, but no one had said out loud. Yeah. And while she's doing it. He is rather frustratingly slicing a banana into a bowl. <laughs> Sorry, you're saying frustrated. He is frustrated. He is frustrated, yes. We he's, are too, but Yeah. He it is like with him. very frustrated and upset. And he's cutting bananas into a bowl. And then he reaches over and grabs not milk, but half and half, and just fills an entire cereal bowl up with half and half, and then just starts shoveling half, half and half, and half and and banana, banana slices. And a spoonful of sugar is what's in this bowl. Oh, I forgot about the sugar. The sugar and goes just... in first. Oh, I didn't even clock that. P- p- heaping a spoonful of sugar, bananas, 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 half, half and half, half, shoveling it. It's, it's splashing. Yeah. It's it's a explosive event. Yeah. He he does not. He just very sloppily eats it while arguing with his mom. It's like more than sloppy. It's like inside out. Yes. <laughs> And we we actually paused it, and you were like, "This is more upsetting than watching that person get murdered." 10 yeah, minutes I was ago. like, "I can't," because a lot of the stunts I noted that the way stunts were filmed in this movie is they just weren't like anytime anytime there might be a piece of violence, we just like look away from it, which mm-hmm. can be a really effective way to let your mind make things even worse than they are. Yeah, and it also saves you money. Yeah, when you're making a horror film. But yeah, so like there's all, all of that is happening. And then, but then this, this banana thing, you gotta, you gotta look straight at that. There's, there's no, <laughs> there's no stunt man for that. Yeah. <laughs> no stunt banana. Yeah. Also, can we talk about, I think that using that full-size doll was really effective yes. in making it. So there's a plot point where at the beginning of the movie, you see baby Jane in her heyday in like 1917. And as part of her act, as part of their merchandising, they are selling full-sized porcelain baby jane dolls yeah and then as a 60 year old woman she has one of these dolls in her house and every once in a while she'll like go and she'll sing to it she'll or she'll hear it with it singing to her yeah and she like gets it out for special guests yeah and she's like very protective of it 
Yeah. She like borrows its bow. Yeah. I think the bow is an important moment of like identity transference from mm-hmm. that doll to Betty Davis's yes. physical body. Yeah. Um, and whenever Betty Davis introduces herself to anyone, she almost never says, I'm Jane Hudson. She always says, I'm baby Jane Hudson. Yeah. And she she often like invites people to like remember who she is, mm-hmm. which is like just tough. I mean, it's like, it's an LA story. I don't think we should describe the denouement in detail because I actually did find there's a turn that I mm-hmm. found satisfying. That um, I will say I clocked it, not clock clock, but I had a hunch at the sure. beginning yeah. that I was very pleased to have proven correct. Yeah. I will just say that it's, it, it might, you might find that this film draws you in in ways that you were not prepared for. Yeah. Would I sit down and watch? Am I excited to sit down and watch it again? No. No. I will say that I'm going to avoid it. (laughs) Right. But if someone says to me, hey, what is a really interesting thriller from the 1960s that I haven't seen Mm. that I may not have thought of yet, I would put this movie on that list because I think you've said it a couple times, it does what it sets out to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an effective movie. Yeah, and definitely as far as like queer canon, just like knowing, understanding like RuPaul's jokes. Yeah. There's value in that. Yeah, and I think Betty Davis does such an amazing job in this movie. Yeah, she really does. The person who did the worst job is the screenwriter for making the first two thirds of the movie too long. But that's also like, it was made in 1962. Yeah, that was the length of things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't really have notes for it, honestly. I just don't ever want to watch it again. <laughs> so here's the interesting question. Well, I, I think you all, the listeners, can see where we're going with this. Is it canon? Yeah, I think reluctantly, yes. Yeah, I feel like it is, because it's not a it's not a bad movie. It's not an unsuccessful movie and and it's not, and it is not the kind of thing, like, I think I'm pretty eager to sort of swat down things that are like, film nerds are going to come at you and be like, what the hell, you haven't seen this? Like, I'm going to love to get to tell you, the listeners, like, no, you don't need to see that. You don't, if somebody makes you feel dumb for not watching that, you don't, that person, that's on that person. Like, you do not need, you do not need that, that bro movie from the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chinatown is coming. I'm coming for you, Chinatown. Yes, we're coming in the next episode. But this is not really that. I don't think I don't think I can swat this away that way. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come away from it being like, what the fuck was that? Like, why did you just waste my time with that? I was like, or like, or like, why the hell do people like this? Like, like, this is just a bunch of like, this is just people like talking things around and around until they become important. It's, I don't think it is that. I mean, and anything anything that gets made that is about women, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? Like, we all know how fucking hard it is to get a movie made that's about women. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, like, one every decade. Yeah, and there and is... this is it for the 60s. So, yeah. like... There is one male character in this movie wh- who's in more than one scene and he's not integral to the plot of this movie at all. Yeah, not, not even as much as he seems like he's going to be. I I think, okay, well, so this is just like a side diatribe, but I it's every once in a while, it's like, like okay, remember when Ghostbusters 
remember when Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. People try to make this argument. L.A. Hollywood tries to make this argument that like, oh, well, we just like follow the money. Like we just like do like we just do what we think is going to be successful. Like if audiences wanted movies about women, we would make movies about women. Mm-hmm. And it's like. No, there's been there have been successful movies about women for a long ass time. Yeah. Like people make them every once in a while one gets through and it gets made and it is and and it becomes like successful and iconic and still there's like there's like hand-wringing and reluctance and like oh I just don't know like what I just don't know like wh- who's going to be the audience for this. Like I don't know who was the audience for whatever happened to Baby Jane. Like Yeah. Settle down, Hollywood. Yeah, this was this was a fun movie and well Fun is the wrong word. I did not have fun, but I think some people would. Yeah, I think... So, I mean, some people definitely do. Yeah, some people definitely do. I can understand why people like it. There are definitely things about it that I did like, and I think overall, yeah, it is canon. So, hey, first episode, yeah, two things that two are things. canon. Great, we got our first Good canon music, first canon movie. Yeah. Great. So, next week is Slater Kinney in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. So, we will come to you then. Until then... Good night and good luck. Yeah, sure. All right.